just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. I, I ain't never went in on the song so many times. I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. It's it, it. This is Public Pulse vibes, uh, music, uh, music culture through a leftist lens. I am here uh, with the people that you know and you love, or at least you, uh, you know, study for your job. It's Lil Tanky that could and Keita the Muscle. Any, any thoughts before we get into this 60s part two? We're going to see the, the top 15 songs of the 60s, uh, we had a great run with part part one. So part two, I know it was going to be amazing. I'm going to say this shit right now as a person. Is, I'm going through some interpersonal things in my relationships. <laughs> Yo, man, the 60s, they got some music that's really going to fuck you up, man. If you're going through it, just listen to some of these songs, man. It gets you to the heart of what good American music can be. And I think that in a non-nostalgia way, because I don't have nostalgia. This shit's before I was born. You know what I'm saying? I don't have no fucking memories of this shit. I had to see this shit out and find it. But it hit, man. The top 15 of the 60s, almost every one of these, they take your fucking soul and they just dash that bitch. All right, okay, great. I, I, yeah, I just wanted to resonate with what Lil Tanky was saying. You know, I feel like this is the most concentrated, soulful, spiritual, um, like, list that we're gonna have. Like, this one in particular. Like, I feel like the early 60s, you know, there was a lot of soul there, but it was more of a groove, you know? The top, the, the part one was very groovy. What we're gonna see now in this second part, you know, it really is soulful it's spiritual it's folk it's gonna hit you hard in that little heart-like region you know in your chest and um you know we, we were of course just listening to it so we could get uh, a little bit you know to just be fully ready amped up that's what we do here we do our own research here at public pulse uh and you know i just think we all were kind of in that uh in that little space so um any, anything else before we get started with our list i'm right number 15 You've changed Marvin Gaye, 1964. Actually, so this song was actually uh, a popular song. It was published in 1942. Um, you know, you know some of these old songs, they just was written I way love back. it, man. It's got such an old school feel. You know what I mean? Like, even for the 60s, it's like, it's almost like only... Well, there's one other artist we're going to cover, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But, you, but for you the dudes, it? this yeah. is the most classy. <laughs> the most classy. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was played with an orchestra, so you'll hear Smooth some of that shit. orchestra in there. And, of course, Marvin's voice. Maybe the best voice. The thing about it, man, is mm, ever. Where we was getting that in Havana. You know what I'm saying? It was oh the my universe, goodness, man. He in one of them fucking hotels. Got the whole little fucking uh, orchestra behind him. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, that probably was uh, amazing. I just wanted to say, okay, so Marvin Gaye is alert, a decade surfer. We are going to see him later uh, in our decade list as we move on to the 70s. Um, and I also just wanted to uh, acknowledge that Marvin Gaye was born right here in Washington, D.C. Oh, so shout out. Yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. What, what, what was he? Uh, northeast, Southeast? I don't have that information. We I will see. get the crack team. Crack it's team? Sounds, sounds like DMV to me. He from the area. He from the area. <laughs> right, 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 right. All right. Yeah, y'all ready to go to the next one, number 14? Number 14. Don't pick me for your fool. 
Etta James, 1966. Another alert. Okay, this is a decade surfer alert. We're going to see Etta James later in our decade list. Mm. What's interesting, though, is we're actually going to... I'm gonna. This is a spoiler, by the way. We're going to skip past the 70s, and you're going to see her again in the 80s. And we'll talk way more when we get back there. Uh, but I just wanted to say that. And, um, yeah, this one is Don't Pick Me For Your Full 1966 thoughts once again chess records man fucking you up man what a label man most americans don't know shit about chess and some of the best music they ever made man came out of fucking chess Etta james that's my future i mean you talking about going back in time man i want to go back in time for fucking Etta, man this uh, <laughs> is a fucking hood john man who gonna understand my fucking life man somebody that could drink with you smoke with you play fucking bones with you talk that hood shit what you want nigga ass but also could be the sweetest, most beautiful, voluptuous, sumptuous. She was a naughty, sexy that's like very hard to get away with in the 60s. She's definitely the kind of woman that like good girls don't want to be like her. But secretly, everybody want to be like her. Number 13. I've never loved a man the way that I love you. Aretha Franklin. 1967. All right, so we have uh, Aretha Franklin here. Just want to say uh, King Curtis on the sax. There's actually two saxophone players on this song. I thought that was pretty cool. You got two sax on there. And also, Aretha is actually playing the piano herself. So I mean, what I say about it is, what's great about Aretha is she's essentially the exact opposite of what Etta James was supposed to be. Right. Good girl, church girl. That's a fact. And I mean, this was her first album with Atlantic Records after she bounced from the other label, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure her whole situation was fucked up because she, like she said, she came up in the choir singing for dad's choir, going all around the South, doing the Chitlin circuit with that shit. Imagine what we was doing in Slam, but actually being with a fucking gospel choir. I mean, oh, at least true. we got that's to smoke true. weed on that's the road. True. You know what's wild? <laughs> About coming back to music, though, from the 60s is because during the time um, when Aretha Franklin released this album, the Rolling Stones said it. Uh, I quote, the lack of versatility on the part of the sidemen, the drums weren't hard enough, the guitar was weak, and the production lacked polish for the whole album that this song is part of. And now we're like. Nah, they were wrong. It's our top 15 of the 60s. Yeah, definitely ain't nothing from the fucking Rolling Stones this eye. Shut your fucking <laughs> mouth. Shut your wow. fucking mouth. Hey, and at least I'll listen to y'all talk. Beatles ain't say shit to me. Number 12. I don't know why. Stevie Wonder, 1968. All right, so this one is uh, another alert decade surfer. We are going to see Stevie Wonder. Uh, later in our uh, decade list, so not, you know, maybe not this episode, but uh, again, later in the decades. This is 1968. I don't know why. It's uh, sometimes listed as I don't know why I love you. Uh, it's a song by Stevie Wonder. It was released as a single, like I said, in uh, 1969. My Sharia Moore on the B-side. A few months later, reissued um, and, you know, became a top 10 hit. Thoughts on Stevie? Stevie Wonder is masterful. That's a fact. 
I mean, I grew up and I never really understood it. You know what I'm saying? The shit I was hearing in the 80s, it was cool, you know? Happy birthday, all that kind of shit. It was cool, man, but it really, really, really didn't, you know, it ain't feel like it had no teeth to it. You know, when I came back and I was hearing this shit, man, I was like, oh, okay, this fucking song, man. If you ain't never been there in a fucking relationship, he gonna take you there. And if you've been there, he gonna drown your ass in the waters. Number 11, These Arms of Mine, Otis Redding, 1962. Uh, these arms of mine, Otis Redding, 1962. So I have a, a little alert, okay? This is a little alert. This is the artist of the decade. So let's give it up for the artist of the decade. Yes. All right. Decade. Yeah, artist of the decade we have. Yes. So that means we have the most songs are by Otis Redding. So uh, we have a little special, uh, I'm going to call uh, the key to corner. Uh, what we're going <laughs> <laughs> uh, we to do like an artist breakdown. I'm going to give it to you, Muscle. Sure. I mean, researching Otis Redding was really fun for me because I'm not going to lie. I was not listening to music from the 60s. Um, so Otis Redding, just some really cool facts about him is that he actually dropped out of school to support his family when his dad was diagnosed with tuberculosis, um, also known as consumption. And that Otis Redding honestly died at a young age. He Damn. died at 26 years old. Damn. And most of the accolades and awards that he's earned were given to him after his death. Um, but his early career was mostly covering songs of musicians that he admired, like Little Richard and Sam Cooke. Um, Otis Redding believed, uh, and a quote, Basically, I like any music that remains simple, and I feel this is the formula that makes soul music successful. When any music form becomes cluttered and or complicated, you lose the average listener's ear. There's nothing more beautiful than a simple blues tune. There is beauty and simplicity, whether you are talking about architecture, art, or music. And yeah, damn. Yeah, I had to share it because I was like, ooh, that hit me in the chest. <laughs> that hit me in the chest. Um, and then this last uh, sort of uh, fact about him is that Aretha Franklin's song Respect is actually a cover that was written by Otis Redding. He released his in 1965. Uh, Aretha Franklin's is more popular. Uh, she modified the lyrics, though, because she had the belief that Otis was reinforcing these traditional gender roles, that a man comes home, brings on the money, and then he gets respect from his woman. Um, but she does give him credit for writing that song. She just felt like she needed to take it in a new direction. Hey, both of them motherfuckers is on the world beater shit, man. Yeah, they both smack. They both smack. And his song, uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, was the first song to be number one after a musician died. The, the thing I can say about Otis is it's probably the only artist I remember that my dad was a big fan of that I also was a big fan of. And I came to this shit on my own accord. And I remember one day my dad was like, uh, he heard me listen to some Otis, uh, Otis Redding. And he was like, if I would have offered you this, you wouldn't have even liked it. And it's like, but you was wrong, nigga, because I like this shit, man. <laughs> this is, what else wrong. about me? Don't you know, motherfucker? We could be having moments right now. You fucking this moment up. The song is playing. All right. Okay. Get free. <laughs> Number 10. Break on through to the other side. The Doors, 1967. Okay, so this is, um, I believe this is our first entry from The Doors, Break on Through the Other Side. Uh, we were talking about this literally... Today, uh, me and Lil Tanky, 
Jim Morrison being possibly the wildest white dude of all time. What would a night of kicking it with Jim Morrison and the if Doors not look the like? Wildest, <laughs> at least the coolest. Ain't no fucking way I'm not answering the call of adventure. Fucking Jim Morrison, like, hey, bro, you want to go to Paris? Yes. Fucking run, I do. Let's fucking go run. I got a backpack in my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Who who need draws? We probably won't. And the song itself is sort of kind of like about an overdose. Like, keep on doing it so you can break Break on through through to the the other side. side. Yeah, we're all going to What's over there? I want to know. I feel like I heard, I don't know, I definitely heard this. Like, they be doing, like, seances at his grave and stuff like that. Like, they literally had to keep security at his grave because people would just deadass come there and try to, like, conjure spirits and shit. His sex magic is on a whole nother level, man. And that's another thing you ran into with these 60s motherfuckers. Janis Joplin, sex fucking magic, man. This is not a person that's, like, conventionally attractive, but it's sexy as fuck. Yeah, it's a Jim Morrison, same shit. You're not conventionally attractive, but you are a fucking sexy fucking man. We didn't get to get Janice on here, did we? She just missed. She just missed. That, hey, look, yeah. Janice is, maybe right before we do number one, we can throw out any, like, uh, honorable mentions, ones that we really love but just didn't make the list. Like, a lot of us had to put some of our favorites on the cutting, what do they call it? The cutting chopping floor. Block. The chopping block. Yeah, so, you know, maybe we'll have some time if you can think of any that, you know, were honorable mentions. And it ain't to say that she don't come up in the list at all. Just means she just missed out on the six. Right, right, right. And remember, we do have, uh, we're gonna have the unabridged whole 60s available too for our Patreons. Not so shameless plug. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you're trying to see what tastemakers makers listen to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to, you know, I mean, to impress your friends, like, wow, you know, or all the hot shit. If you want to, you can keep listening to that bum ass shit on your radio, oh, yeah. or you could just nerd out with us. My goodness, exactly, exactly. Or you know what I'm saying? You could pay content creators. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. Okay, next number nine, bang bang, my baby shot me down, Nancy Sinatra. 1966. Mm. Okay, so boom. All right, mm. so boom. So I got an alert. Oh, I got an alert. Yeah. Folk alert. Mm. Folk alert. I thought this was, I don't know if we had any folk alerts yet, but I wanted to give that. Uh, so we have a folk alert. This is Nancy Sinatra. And if you're asking, yes, it is the eldest daughter of, the, of Frank Sinatra. Um, this song actually... Later was popularized by Cher. Maybe somebody might have heard that. Surprise, uh, she doesn't make our list. Cher doesn't make our list. Cher uh, didn't do a better <laughs> cover than the original. Mm. Like, Nancy Sinatra's voice is haunting. It's She got more talent than a fucking mobster-ass daddy yeah. ever did. And this song is so <laughs> gangster. okay? It's just, I, I have so many feelings every time I listen to the song. Because her voice kind of just eases in and... It'll never die. First off, her voice does ooze. I mean, it is olive oil. It is sex. It is goddamn. Mm. See, that's a white girl. I'd have been in fucking trouble in the 60s. She's fucking singing this shit, bitch. I'm about to risk it all. Are you serious? <laughs> we about to have integration right now, goddammit. Man, man, like, I just keep it real. Uh, but, like, no, nah, I think about this song, and it keeps 
inventing itself again, right? Like, we all remember Slam New Orleans taking this to nationals. It was a fucking, it's one of the most popular poems in all of Slam history. Maybe one of the best poems in Slam history. Not just most popular. Right. Hey, Young Buck brought this shit back. You Mm, know what I'm saying? That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a song. Like, and you talking about some gangster Southern hip-hop, man. Hey, you ain't fucking harder than Young Buck, bitch, okay? If he can listen to this shit, listen to fucking Bang Bang. Number eight. Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Nina Simone, 1964. So uh, this is our second entry for Nina Simone this uh, this particular decade. I uh, thought, you know, fitting. 1964. Uh, this song uh, was actually covered by The Animals, which we already saw, I believe, this decade. Uh, and they also had a popular one. I remember this song was used in one of the popular, remember uh, the, one of the Little Wayne songs? You know, so we going all the way back to the 90s. I know the sample thing is sort of little Tanky's thing, you know, but I just thought I'd throw that one in there. There's so many examples of this. And uh, maybe uh, just an incredibly relatable song. Don't let me be uh, misunderstood. Thoughts on this one? I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I actually had this uh, I had this song. I was talking about this song the other day with a friend of mine on the internet, and uh, they had the tat on there. And I was like, oh, you like Nina Simone? And he was like, no, nah, I like the animals, which impressed me in a whole different kind of way. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, oh, you ain't heard the Nina version. And that was a whole conversation. But the fact that they did that song well enough to make it live on its own, like, that's that real British funky white boy shit. And, like, you'll see that, right? Like, everybody, like, kind of overhyped the British motherfuckers, but some of them motherfuckers really was swinging and bringing it. And the Animals is definitely one. This song, it has verve. It has life. It has passion. It's, oof. It has hurt. And it has those orchestral elements. It was arranged around a harp, okay? (laughs) And had a choir backing it. Yeah, Nina Simone just... That's the thing, right? Because we kind of separate music into these genres and you don't get that in the 60s because everything was blended together if it sounded good musically they were willing to try it in a way right now it's like no that is or the rap that is the folk and it has to have these very specific instruments and nina simone was like bitch i need a heart and that's what i'm gonna say nina's voice is a journey right uh, i had a lot of um it was difficult for me at first i was like I just was something off about it, but her voice will haunt you. Her voice is so deep and rich and melodious, mournful. It is the essence of blackness. I mean, what do they call her? The the high priestess of soul? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. even the the don't let me be misunderstood as a black woman living through these horrible things that she had to endure with segregation and the civil rights movement altogether. And it's just like Yo, and shout out to motherfucking Nina because she used to talk that commie shit for real. That's a fact. What do the girls do when we get together? We never talked about the boys. We talked about Marx and Lennon. Come the fuck on. Right, right. Yeah, Come that's the big bars. Fuck on. These motherfuckers can't even say fucking uh, defund the police now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She was one of the realest to she do it, man. fucking real one, man. Really real commie, Ghani real leftist. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact, man. That's a fact. Probably one of the best. Uh, one of the one of the true leftist artists that we really we really had. Number seven, all I could do was cry. Etta James, 1961. 
Okay, yeah. So, Etta James. We see Etta James yet yes. again. That's right. Etta James is is running the 60s. Don't let it get, get you fucked up. Chess Records is running the 60s. Chess Records is running Don't the fucking game, Don't get it game, fucked man. up. All you motherfuckers been told is Motown lie your whole fucking life. Look, Stax, Stax got something. But Chess, you know, being a Chicago boy... Got a little bit more. And this is what I'm saying. This fucking song, man, I already told y'all I'm going through it in person. <laughs> Shit. Oh, God, it's so sad. This fucking song will steal your soul, man. All I could do is cry. When you're talking about the essence of what writing is, when you're talking about a song where you talk about making a motherfucker you love the best they could ever be, and they go and give it to another. Mm. Mm. That's real shit. That's Ooh. not focus group shit. That's a bitch mm. that's been through some shit. You've been through some shit. That's the dagger, right? You gotta that's pull a, a fucking dagger. dagger. All I could do is cry. Just watching this been person there walk away. Feel make that. that mistake. Can't stop them. They gonna do what they do. Mm. Yo, and, and back to your point, this was a great scene in Cadillac Records. <laughs> like, Yo. when they were talking about laying the song, Bags. oh my God, that was a great fucking scene, man. Brody, all right. Number six, Guinevere, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, 1969. So I got an alert, alert, folk alert, another folk alert. This is, uh, I don't know maybe if people think this was a, uh, this was like a no-brainer for me. Like, this is a, <laughs> the melodies in here, and Three then part harmony there's a little bit of pimp in here, too. Hey, look, I'm not going to lie to y'all. <laughs> I won't name names. Somebody was like, let's listen to this song. And I was full on in, this is about to be some white people <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm definitely not racist. Okay, and the, but I'm game, right? I want to support my friends. So the song starts playing. And I'm like, oh, shit. It is white people shit, but it's good white people it's shit. It's <laughs> lane, man. This is like white people in their best fucking lane. You got to love it, man. Three-part harmony. Just straight up bringing out the best of these voices. The melodies are so sharp. They could cut your bangs. And it has strange tuning and time signatures. It's not like the traditional that you're used to. Um, because the tuning is E B D G A D. And the uh but it fits because the whole song is about three women that the the protagonist loves in this, and it becomes sort of this gosh, epic song, honestly. Oh, to polyamory. <laughs> Number five. This Bitter Earth, Dinah Washington, 1960. Always have this like uh, radar in my head. This is why I was like looking so hard to see where these songs were actually placed because I am a producer of things and I have a lot of Instagrams and I have a lot of content. I put out tons of content and like there's always trolls all up in your shit like, well, actually something, something, something. This song is something, something. And you're like, <laughs> OK, all right. I guess, you know, you fucking nerded out and got me on one. So I had to. You can ask, you know, any of our podcast listeners can ask uh, Tanky or Muscle about this. I had to make sure exactly when each and song was fact. made and we had to 
get rid of some songs that we wanted just because we couldn't authenticate the year. So I just want to say if anybody's out there, yes, this song was recorded in 1959, but it wasn't released until 1960. And we're going to go ahead and say that when it's released is when uh, is when it popped off. So um, this is when we talk about classy. This is maybe the sexiest, classiest woman that has. She's a fucking dame. God damn it. <laughs> That's a fact. She's a fucking sexy fucking dame, man. I remember the song from the Shutter Island movie. Because it's at the end. It, it just fit with the theme of the whole movie, no way, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, well, it was a song Island on the feature. Kind of, wait a minute. Track. Is Shutter Island kind of good? Is it bad? Is it all right? I can't really remember. Oh, I... Love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I hadn't heard that, is, that yet. That's not really the same thing as saying it's good. I just excuse you, to you sir. Excuse you. Okay. This one no is problem. good. Yes, because it's about you know what we'll talk about it later. That's for I another. have no problem taking the whole aside into this, but uh, I understand y'all want to keep it tight thirty, and I'm I'm okay with that. Number four, Sibonet, Connie Francis, nineteen sixty. Um, boom. So uh, I have another alert. Folk alert. The 60s definitely has the <laughs> most folk alerts. Yeah. This is another one and of those. only one human being that can challenge Dinah Washington for the classiest, sassiest dame of the fucking 60s, man. Connie Francis. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, oh my goodness! I first heard this song in um, twenty forty six. Is that the name of the name of that movie? And um, it's just so incredibly intoxicating. It, it, of course, it's a Latin arrangement. It the song just peekable with the with the beat and the melody, and then there's just this haunting voice, just slowly dripping each word also associate this song with the movie 2046 <laughs> that's what i said i literally yeah, said that yeah yeah just no, adding it in there double adding yeah but i the, this one you know tmk talks about we did the research to the best of our abilities and this one was a journey because we were like wait is it the 60s? Because this song has been known um, from so many eras and it has been remade and covered so many times that it, it goes back to 1927 with a Cuban composer, Ernesto Lacuona, um, and then to come here to the 60s. And that's how timeless music is. Number three, hyperbolic syllabic Sesca de la Mystic, Isaac Hayes, 1969. This is a, yes, the name of this is incredibly cool. Um, do y'all, y'all want to give it a shot right now? Hyperbolic syllabus. Fuck. Yeah, but talk to uh, Muscle. Do you want to give it a chance? Hyperbolic syllabic sesque dally mystic. Okay, that was pretty good. All right, that was pretty good. Um, You a hating ass bitch. So this is off the album Hot Butter Soul. I highly suggest that you go ahead and just bump this entire album. Look, man, no matter what you feel about Isaac Hayes, you gotta see when this man was really this man. Again, deep voice. I mean, he is, again, one of the most enticing voices of which, which, who could we say has a more buttery voice than Isaac Hayes in the 60s 
No, I got, no, I got nothing. You know, maybe there's someone that can sing better than him. Maybe questionable, but nobody got a better voice. This song is a journey. It's an emotional journey that you just kind of feel and vibe with. And every time it comes on, I feel like everything in the house stops. And it's just about or moves in time with this song. So much was writing on this album for Isaac Hayes. He had kind of put out some, you know, like highly acclaimed but not big selling records previously to this. So, you know, like just putting out a, like a dead ass kind of like 12 minute song or it's like nine minutes or something, you know, something like that. Like this song really blew up. This whole album blew up and it really changed sort of Isaac Hayes's trajectory at that time, you know, and we see a lot of this, like when artists are, we, I think we talked about a lot of this with E-40, you know, putting out a lot of stuff that was um, highly acclaimed, but necessarily wasn't blowing up, you know, and it was like looking for this hit, looking for this thing that really makes you national, makes you global. And this was the album that did it for Isaac Hayes. But they fought him the whole fucking way. They exactly. They fought him the whole fucking way. Yep. He's like, look, let me do this. You mad? I ain't getting no hit. Why don't y'all shut the fuck up and let me do the shit? One of us is a great artist. One of us got signed. <laughs> One of us. Number two, She's All Right, Muddy Waters, 1968. So so I, I just wanted to say this, you know, like we had uh, Howlin' Wolf on here already, and we talking about uh, Cadillac Records. You know, they did have quite the rivalry. So, uh, you know, if Muddy, I was thinking maybe, you know, Muddy and Howlin' Wolf are probably, you know, in heaven maybe, and they're chilling and they're listening to this, Hell and maybe nah. they're like... They, they got to be an opposite. Man, I'm telling you, man, I feel like that man, shit they couldn't, is eternal, They couldn't get a, oh, oh, damn. Fuck no, man. I, I see you. Look, man, I told you on site, bro. Who the fuck told you to come to this part of heaven, bro? Heaven. <laughs> My heaven is fucking you up. All right, well, maybe they're listening separately, <laughs> secretly. Like, now I hope I have the okay, I was song. listening. I was like, I, I, you know what made me happy? Fucking this nigga up today. Here he is. Heaven oh. is great, man. Look. She's All Right is maybe one of the most amazing songs. Like, She's All Right is so pretty and so complex. She's All Right is a song for any, if you think you don't like the fucking blues, which also, just say you fucking hate black people, but like, <laughs> if you think you don't like the blues, this is the song you need to listen to. I hate when motherfuckers send you that ancient history, man. Look, I can enjoy Lead Belly, but if you think you don't like the blues, you're definitely not going to fucking enjoy Lead Belly, man. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Give yourself a fucking chance, man. She's all right, man. Chess Records, once again. The motherfucking man himself, Muddy Waters. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, and the guitar in there, I mean, it's really cranking, you know what I mean? Like, when I think of blues, I think of, like you said, like you were talking about early, kind of the simple chords, it's the, you know, kind of, like you're just walking it around. take your ass around a corner, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a fact, that's a fact, and, uh, you know, this is just so turned up, and it has a, I want to just say this word, interpolates uh, my Tim, the Temptations, my girl at the end, which is kind of a nice little surprise. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that word. I wanted to throw that in there so I can That's sound number smart. Two. Now, who is the motherfucking boss of the bosses? Who going to bring the ship in? Who's the only motherfucker that can reasonably be considered Lord of the motherfucking 60s? Who's the best motherfucking artist? Who, well, who's got the number one song? Number one, Machine Gun, Jimi Hendrix. 1969. Well, I mean, you know, we said it. We we I just want to stamp that we said Otis Redding was our uh, artist of the decade, but I think Jimi Hendrix, the the spiritual impact, the Nin. Number we talk one about song. this, the Nin 
of this song is through the roof. If you watch Hunter Hunter, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I just want to say a little bit about this because it's a kind of a, again, if any haters are out there trying to nitpick what we did, this is a live recording. So we did things that are live recordings whenever they were recorded, uh, you know, and then for releasing things, like if you recorded it in the studio, but it's you didn't release it until this time, we went by the release. So we went ahead and said that because this song uh, was played a couple times. We don't know exactly between December 31st, 1969 and January 1st, 1970. So again, we went ahead and just took it for the 60s because of course that first show was on December 31st, 1969. Uh, but that's not necessarily to do with the song. Uh, like this is another one of those really long songs. Uh, it's completely raw, maybe one of the most raw spiritual guitar performances of all time machine gun Jimi hendrix uh thoughts on this one y'all i mean this song is a is an orgy of sound it is a cacophony of excellence it is spiritual it's spiritual and also political right because it's uh, when you hear machine gun and because of the soundscapes and acoustics of the music plus fucking Jimi hendrix's genius level playing of the guitar you can see how it becomes this broader commentary on conflict and war and the things that it costs us and you can feel the cost of that in the song it, man live shows and from the 60s it's just inexplicable what that clearly i didn't live in the 60s but hearing that and being able to kind of see glimpses of that raw sound is just kind of you realize how much of your music sound and the things that you hear are curated People in a way talk that, that music to make baby shit to motherfucker motherfuckers was really making babies at woodstock are you fucking serious facts like right fucking there man hey, jimmy and, and this is in the backdrop of course this is something i've realized since we went back to the 60s and and listen to a lot of music. This is in the backdrop of the Vietnam War. And as you see with a lot of the music from the 60s, the conversation was about the Vietnam War. And I am seeing as we get further and further into these decades, not as much less conversations are happening about, I mean, wars are Where still the rappers happening. rappers talking about fuck war in fucking Ukraine? Yeah. Where's the rappers talking about that shit? Absolutely. You got a fucking obligation, man, because it's us that's going to be out there dying for fucking Ukrainians that hate fucking people that look like you. Yeah, music, you know, it should be also inherently pol uh, political in some ways, too. And of course, you know, not every artist can do that. But we, we are wondering, you know, where are those? I know they exist and I know they're out here making music. Why aren't they being platformed? Um, and this is just, again, I, I think an incredible song. And this closes out our 60s. Uh, did we have any songs that we wanted to just throw in there as honorable mentions before we, we said our final thoughts and got out of here? I had one. I just wanted to say that, you know, Cream. I liked Cream. I know that's, uh, what's his name, right? Um, Eric, Eric Clapton. So racist. maybe that's not why he made it. Yeah. Racist. <laughs> Definitely not racist, so don't get it twisted. You, you shot the fucking Eric sheriff. Fucking Clapton. That's a terrible Fuck one. But that was Cream, though. That was before he was just Eric Clapton. Okay, all right. Slow hand. Yeah, bitch, because Jimmy play fast. <laughs> you got to play slow. Okay. <laughs> Public Pulse Vibes on Instagram. We got lots of stuff. We're going to update the, the playlist again. Hit us up on our Patreon. If you fill in froggy, please leap onto that uh, Patreon page. Patreon.com uh, Patreon slash, Patreon slash 
Public Pulse. Uh, like I said, we are also on the gram. Uh, any final thoughts, Muscle and Tanky, before we get out of here? Clapton. It's motherfucker having threesomes and losing his goddamn perspective. Layla, why you gonna leave? Well, bitch, I'm married to this nigga in the Beatles. He your friend, right? Like, you don't like that uh, white room? That joint is tough, though. No, no, my man. I'm fucked that shit. I guess shit. this is a great glimpse of what it was like trying to curate yeah. the 70s, 80s, <laughs> 90s. That's a fact. Hey, wait, and he got that song, Cocaine. <laughs> absolutely. Cocaine. Absolutely, absolutely. I gotta hear about drug rap, though. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. I'm here for all drug music. I applaud it. I applaud it. Uh, yeah, I mean, TMK, Lil Tanky That Could, uh, Key to the Muscle, and we out. Look at some emotion. Oh, my bad, man. Like, I just keep it real. And this song is so gangster. <laughs>